Hey, it's Todd Duncan. Welcome to High Trust Today, the podcast. I'm on a quest to help people win in business and in life. To do that, I know they must trust themselves, their relationships, their business, and they most certainly must trust their future. When you do that, you set in motion a universe of possibilities, and that journey begins right now. So, Taylor, welcome. Good to have you here. And uh, I wrote down this first question because I loved it on our call. What is the ticket to admission, and how do you stand behind that, and what impact does it have on your daily life balance? So every time I come to Mastery, I realize all the things that I don't do. Um, I, <laughs> I consider myself pretty simplistic in my business approach, but the ticket to admission is um, I only talk to the borrower once they've completed their online application and submitted all requested documents. Um, it's a way for me to manage my time and know that when I go to look at that file, I'm looking at everything there. Um, my business approach is to strictly purchase business, so this correlates with everything that I need to do in writing what I consider a bulletproof pre-approval. All right, so just, just stop for a sec. So this is like one of those moves that is game-changing, I think. Your personal, personal standard is you don't meet or talk with the client until you have everything you need. Yeah, I start with a phone conversation. Yeah. I let them know that I'll be sending an email. Inside the email has a list of the documents that I'll need. Click on a link to complete an application and that's step one. Okay, so what happens if in a day or two or three it's not done? What do you do? It's a follow-up email or a phone call depending on what day it is and how many times I followed up. But I'm following up on that email so the follow-up is pertaining to that email asking for those items. Um, I don't deviate. I, I, when I'm having that conversation, I'm setting the expectation. I don't do um, hypothetical scenarios. I don't do what ifs. Um, I don't estimate. I will only give you the information on provided what you provided me. Okay. So um, how, would you, how would you characterize how that has impacted your business? And uh, I know you have a very well-run kind of practice. It's, it's imperative to me. Um, you know, it's the amount of time that you spend trying to track down the things that you need in order to tell the person that is telling you that they want to qualify is, is crazy. Um, and so I kind of just got over having to make a dozen <laughs> phone calls to get the same documentation. So from a time standpoint, it's very efficient, but it's also efficient for the borrower because one of the biggest complaints that we always hear is that they're always having to resend documentation or that more documentation is being asked for. Um, my list is standard, so it, you know, I'm typically asking for more than I need up front to avoid having to go back and get something further down the line. So how do you package ticket to admission? How do you use that in a dialogue? You know, I say that, it, don't get me wrong, I do have a very good upfront conversation. You know, yeah. I'm answering yeah. questions. I just won't answer questions pertaining to the pre-approval. I don't call it the ticket to admission when I'm, when I'm telling them okay. that's kind of an internal, internal thing that yeah. we use, but I let them know that I'm not able to work on their file until all items have been returned to me. And you know, I, I do leave it at that. And I, I'm very strict on that policy. So I, I think it would be kind of huge for everybody in the audience to just continue to track how much time you spend tracking stuff down. 
and how much time that you could save for productivity if you had a different front end kind of filter. It doesn't sound like it's negative. It doesn't sound like it's punitive. It doesn't sound like it's argumentative. It just sounds like you're a professional and if I'm gonna do the best job that I can for you, you have to do the best job you can do for you, giving me what I need to help you fully analyze the opportunities. That's your stance. Correct. Okay, so then what has that, how has that played out for you um, once they comply with all that? What does the business look like? How, how much more efficient is it and what are some of the benefits? It's very fluent. You know, I, I'm able to then, once I have everything, lay out the options, go over their qualifications, try to meet their needs with specific programs. It, it's more efficient for them as well. Um, it, it works great for me. Um, I, I, again, I don't stray from it, so it's, it's, it's been monumental in helping me achieve bigger numbers. So what does it lead to in terms of like percentages of, of leads that, that convert to approvals? Do you have a thought around that? And, and what's your, kind of what's your, once they're approved, what's your closing I'm rate? I'm scared to go to percentages on the stage with you. Um, I don't have those numbers and so I Thank don't Thank you for guess. being honest and I'm sorry um, I asked that. I know it wasn't <laughs> on our plan and uh, good, but it's, it, you've seen a difference, I would guess, if you could just comment to that. Well, you know, it allows me to be able to, to manage the client. So by, have every, by having everything, they may not qualify today, but I know how to put them on a plan to qualify. I'm not spending as much time with people that don't qualify because I'm focusing on people that do qualify because I have it there. Okay. And so how many, um, uh, and, until they comply to qualify, um, how many systematic calls do you, do you have and how long do you follow up? So mine is... Five, five follow-ups, so depending on, like I said, what day I'm following up, I either call or I email, but after five, um, they're in a CRM, they're getting dripped on, and, okay. um, but that is, after five, I don't really think they're that serious. You know, if you can't get me your documentation with five requests, it's probably time for both of us to move on. Okay, good. Um, here's something else I wrote down. You only work with the top 20 agents in your market. You get most of your business, I wrote down, from three. So what impact does this have on your daily experience, the day in the life of, of Taylor? And what are some tips you can share for anybody to get more done in less time and get more business from less people? So I think it's important to say all my business is referral business from realtors. I don't work CPAs. I only work realtors. And, you know, when I wanted to start really in producing bigger numbers and doing more things, I started looking at, you know, I'm very analytical. I pull all the numbers in my marketplace. I know every single transaction done. I know what every agent does. Point of my story is, is that I think that there's this, when loan officers go to improve their business, they look at the middle grade realtors because those are the easiest to call on. Someone that does 12 to 15 deals isn't going to be as intimidating as a person that does 150 deals. And so, you know, I basically just said that I was going to do it and I went after only the top 20 in my market. It's very difficult because those people don't want to go to lunch. They don't want a meeting, you know, so breaking that market is very hard. But it, it's, it's very exciting because when you do break in and you do get that relationship, you're getting a very, very fruitful relationship. What, what, uh, what, what did you start, how did you start to realize the, the power of what you just said? And then how, do you, how have you cracked the code to get the, the best? I'm an obnoxious dripper. I'm always the first to give. You know, I, I, I'm typically not starting with a phone call. My kind of claim to fame is I have a, you know, I'm usually on a book campaign, so depending on what book I have, handwritten note, and I just send it. 
when I send it, I'm not asking for a meeting. I'm, I'm simply sending it as a gift. Um, when I get the response, depending on what that response says, that kind of either opens the door for me or closes the door. And so I'm looking for obviously an open door. Yeah. If I feel like there's, there's a good chance to go in, then I'll go in for a meeting. But for the most part, I, I'm constantly dripping. Um, I think that the irony in this business is to be extremely successful, you have to get extremely successful people to buy into what you're doing. And that's very hard. And once you get one high-end producer to buy into what you're doing, then you have clout and you have stability and more and more people believe in you. And so, you know, that has always been my goal is to get more of those people on my team. So one, one thing I would say is that, that a mind shift that could occur for you is if you start thinking about yourself actually as... Um, you know, let's, let's take a branch manager, for example, and you start thinking of yourself as, as an LO, you're thinking as you're, you're now a sales manager, right? And you have to attract people into your book of business that are going to help you build sales for your organization. And so when you understand what Brandon just said, it's awfully easy to talk to the, to the people that are in kind of the middle of the bell curve, right? Because they're not as intimidating, they're not doing as much volume, and probably a little bit easier to, to get an appointment with, a little bit easier to, you know, crack the code and, and, and sit down and talk to those people. And there's nothing wrong with sitting down with somebody that's in the middle of the bell curve um, as long as they want to become great. And I think that's important to note. But as you then narrow your focus on the top 25, 20, 10, 15%, you are in rarefied air, right? There, there's not many of your competitors that wake up every day saying, I can't wait to approach the top 20 realtors in my market. Um, and if you can figure that piece out and you can do that, then you get a leg up on everybody. Here's the coolest thing about what Brandon has done. The more you work with agents that are high performers, the more high performers you will attract. And that's what you have found out. If you are working with low performers, you attract low performers. If you are, as you said, as soon as I got one, then it opened the gateway, right? right. So I think that's powerful. And uh, I guess I'd be remiss in not asking that once you have the top producers, what are some of the things that you do just to keep the relationship alive beyond just dripping? So, so I have touches. Um, one more point to that too is, yeah, yeah. is by dripping on them all the time, they may not be working with me, but my offers get accepted. They know who I am. And so I think it's equally important that that is part of my goal too, is that they know who I am. And so yeah. as far as staying in touch with them, I do continue to drip. Um, my office is is very much known for hosting great events, and so we typically have somebody in once every three months, but, um, you know, I, I wish that I had a better answer for that. I don't. Um, they really just want me to keep closing their loans more than they want to hang out with me, so. I don't think there's a secret answer I was looking for. I think simplicity is the idea here, and what you've proven is engage, stay in touch, have the right producers, celebrate success, and big things happen. Um, you do know we have a new book out, because I know you like sending books yes. out. So um, if you want us to personalize those for whomever for sure. you'd like to send that to, we'd be happy to do that. He, he brought it up, I didn't bring it up, so. Awesome, let's give Taylor a big round of applause.